But tonight, uh, we're picking back up in John 18 in our study, our sermon series, I Saw the Light. Uh, last week um, was John 18, and we made it through verse 1. Paula, because you know it's great to study God's Word and go one verse at a time. Um, I'm going to switch out. This stool is actually nowhere near as comfortable as I thought it would be. And, uh, that was the stool I got. That's the stool I got from Mariah. So, uh, terrible person. Terrible, terrible person. Um, she's not in here right now, but I think most of you, if not all of you, have heard uh, Mariah and I are engaged now, uh, which is Congrats. super cool. Thank you, thank you. I'm pretty stoked. Um, yeah, you did, you did. Yeah, so uh, I'm excited. Uh, and so. Uh, it's been just over 24 hours. Yeah, so it happened yesterday, which was a lot of fun. Um, there you go, man. Uh, so here, here we go, John 18. I'm going to use this as an armrest because that sounds really cool. Uh, John 18. Um, and we're picking up in... It's a spinny armrest. Uh, it's working out good now. It's, it's, it's the lean. I feel like I'm in a recliner right now. Uh, John 18, uh, chapter 2. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to just read through verse 27 real quick, uh, and then we're going to dive in. So just buckle your seatbelts, bear with me as I read, um, and then we'll look at what is said here. Uh, it says this, And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came uh, there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. And Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, And uh, We are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now, when he had said, I am he, they drew back and fell on the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the speaking might be fulfilled, which he has spoke of those whom I, uh, of those whom you gave me, I have lost not none. Uh, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put away your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachments of troops and the captain and the officers uh, uh, and the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas the first, for uh, he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Uh, now the disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But, pre but Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her, who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you, you are not also one of the man's disciples, are you not? And he said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers who made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. And Jesus answered, I spoke openly to the world that I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temples where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me. 
that I said, uh, or what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I have said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoke evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warned himself, or warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of the disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. Then one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Dear God, I just pray that tonight, as we spend these next few moments just looking at your word, uh, God, I pray that each and every single one of us would just be encouraged uh, by the truths of your word. Uh, God, in that as we look at this seemingly dark, dark time, uh, in Scripture, uh, God, that we would be able to pull uh, some uh, really applicable things from this, God, and that we would be able to live our lives uh, more for you uh, rather than for ourselves. And so, God, we just thank you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're taking notes tonight, guys, the title of the message uh, is A Cold, Dark Night. Uh, I was telling Dan uh, when he came here um, earlier this afternoon, um, I was just going to title it A Dark Night or, or A Cold Night, but then from the annals of my brain popped the song by Warren G. and Nate Dogg. Uh, I'm not endorsing either of those artists from the pulpit. Hey, Knox um, was, uh, was this morning. So oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, so, like. <laughs> uh, but, but, but the name of the song is uh, Regulators, uh, and if you've heard the song, uh, it starts out, Regulators, mount up. And then it goes, it was a cold, dark night. And, uh, as, as Warren G comes in on the, on, on the beat, repping uh, 1993 really well. Uh, but we titled it A Cold, Dark Night because, as you see, Peter was standing there and he was getting warm, which means it was cold and it all happens at night. But, but, but really the thing that I want us to focus on is that this is a very dark time. And, and, and things take place in this portion of Scripture uh, that are heinous uh, and that uh, are, um, in the words of, uh, the guy who does the opening intro, the Law and Order Special Victims Unit, he goes, so, some crimes are considered especially heinous, uh, and uh, and these extreme offenses are handled by, and we'll, and we'll get there in a second. I'm actually going to reference Law and Order a little bit later tonight. Ooh. But uh, uh, three things that are going to happen tonight. These are three things, uh, three uh, really feelings that Jesus experienced um, and, and, and actions that were done towards Jesus the first one, uh, if you're taking notes, we're going to be looking at uh, is, is Jesus experienced treachery uh, 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 or treason uh, or betrayal. Uh, Jesus uh, here in the garden, something happens uh, that is truly, truly sad. It says this in verse 2. It says, and Judas who betrayed him. Um, not a lot of run-up is given there, but Judas betrays Jesus. Uh, and, and we're going to look more at Judas just a little bit. But uh, it says this. Uh, Judas also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Do you remember last week when we were looking at verse 1, we talked a little bit about the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, it, was, it was a garden on the outside of town. It was a walled garden uh, because the rich people back in the day didn't have places to put gardens in the city. So they would buy plots of land out on, out on the Mount of Olives. And so this was a place that Jesus would go frequently with his disciples. Uh, it seemed he had a key or whatnot to get in. Uh, we're, we're told elsewhere in Scripture that when Jesus would come to Jerusalem during feast times, 
he wouldn't stay in Jerusalem because Jerusalem, uh, historians would tell us, was a city of about 100,000 people, but during Passover would swell to over a million. So we're seeing uh, that that'd be like the city of Portland going up uh, close to 20 million people uh, during the Rose Festival. Uh, to give you a little bit of, of perspective, it's, it's intense. Um, and so Jesus, uh, we're, we're told in Scripture that he would stay on the other side of the Mount of Olives in the town of Bethany uh, with his best friend Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Or sometimes he would just go and he'd rough it with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, chilling under the stars. Uh, so, so, so Jesus knew how to get around and he didn't like big crowds of people. Uh, he, he was thrust into the crowds, but he did not like being uh, around the crowds. But this is what it says. Um, Judas, knowing that Jesus went there, uh, is going to ambush him as he's praying. It says, Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops... Now, I want us to pause here because how many of you guys remember in Sunday school the flannel grams and everything? And like, you like stick Jesus up there, and then there's like, he's praying. And like, then you got like, because churches are cheap, they like put like three troops behind Judas, or like in like the, the Christian coloring books, there's like a few soldiers. Uh, this word detachment of troops here uh, is the same Greek word that is used uh, for cohort. Uh, and, and, and cohort is a detachment of a legion. A legion is 6,000 Roman soldiers, and a cohort is the 10th, the, the, like the elite 10th of that group. Uh, and, and the cohorts uh, are, are, are the same thing as the Praetorian Guards, uh, and these are, the, these are like the SWAT team of the, uh, of the Roman army. Uh, they're the ones who don't get sent out to war. They're the ones who get stationed in cities. And when riots began to take place, uh, these guys are the ones who go out. Uh, they had swords, but they also had really big clubs, and they would beat people with them. Uh, how many of you guys have seen Gladiator? Uh, do you remember when uh, Maximus, he, he just defeats uh, the, the German and, and whatnot, and uh, the emperor wants to meet him? And the emperor uh, comes down, and they open up the doors, and those Roman soldiers aren't wearing gold and red, but they're wearing black and purple. Uh, that's historically accurate. The, the the ones who wore black and purple, they were the ones who excelled in like uh, the yeah no no they were the ones no, who 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 the took out. Uh, they were the highest in the in in the in the group. They were the special forces of the, and so they were brought into this cohort, and and they were the ones who were the uh, the special uh, guards, and so. Uh, if we were to look at this just as what it says, uh, there's a good chance that Judas had over 600 soldiers with him as he entered this little garden. Um, some scholars say that maybe it was a third of the detachment, but even that, that's 200 soldiers. Um, and, and in order to get that many soldiers from the Roman government, Judas had to have said some pretty intense lie about Jesus, that he was some guy who was raising this rebellion and he had gone up into the hills where there was a bunch of rebels ready to go and they were going to overtake Jerusalem in the nighttime um, because the Romans were like, hey, we don't like that. Because if Jesus would have told the truth, well, what did Jesus do? Oh, well, he went around healing people and, and, and blessing people. The Romans were like, you don't need anyone. Like, just go kidnap the guy. But J Judas probably told him uh, that it's the same thing that the Pharisees were saying, that Jesus was preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand and that God was going to come and wipe out the Romans and that he was the king of the Jews and whatnot. And that's the very thing that Jesus was telling the people not to say. But the Romans believed it, and they thought they were going to need a lot of people to come uh, and take Jesus. Not only did they have... Um, 600 or 200 uh, Roman soldiers, the Roman elite. They had the officers and the uh, uh, from the chief priests and the Pharisees. Uh, these were uh, the temple guard. Uh, and the temple guard, if 
the uh, if, if 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 the cohort is like the SWAT team of the Roman army, um, this is like the intelligence division of the Jerusalem army. Uh, they were like the the big bad dudes who were pretty studly, but they were like a little bit too hardcore to be the normal officers because they bend the rules a little bit, and they weren't Roman soldiers, so they couldn't be in the SWAT team. They were the ones who were like right below the SWAT team, but they were the ones who could go toe to toe with the SWAT team if they wanted to. So we have the roughest and toughest group of soldiers in all of Jerusalem right here in the garden with Judas coming uh, to Jesus. And and, and yes, um, was Judas possessed at this point? Yes, okay. yes, uh, and and so. Uh, Dan asked, was, was Judas possessed? Uh, um, the scriptures tell us that Judas uh, was the son of perdition, uh, one of two people in the history of the earth who will be uh, possessed by Satan himself. Jude, Judas is possessed by Satan himself, and then the Antichrist will be possessed by Satan himself. Uh, not born the devil as a human. No, a, a human who gets possessed by the devil. Yeah, yeah, he does not have that power. Um, but so some things take place that uh, as they come, they have their lanterns, their torches, and their weapons. So they're ready to go. They were thinking Jesus was some intense, like Rambo-esque kind of guy. Um, and, we, and we know from the rest of the story that Jesus had 10,000 angels, and he could have done some pretty big no, uh, news. But it says this in verse 4, Therefore, knowing all the things that would come upon him, he went forth. He's not backing down. He's not trying to hide. He's not trying to get out. He says, Who are you seeking? Which is kind of funny when I think about it, because like Jesus is like, yeah, I know what you're doing. Like this is this this is God's plan. But he goes up, hey, who are you guys looking for? Yeah. And and, and, and like if he was like some guy who was gonna really like d- demolish him, he could have just wiped him out right there. But he says, who are you looking for? And they say we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And then Jesus says these words. Jesus answers them and says, I am He. Uh, how many of you guys in your Bibles? He there is italicized. Yeah, it's in italics. And what it means uh, when something is in italics in your scripture, uh, verse uh, 4. I mean, yeah, verse. uh, it's actually verse 5 is where it's first. Uh, Verse 5. When anytime you see in scripture a a word in italics, uh, it means it was not there in the original manuscript. It means the translators and the editors added it so that it would make sense to modern English. Um, And and, and so, like, say Dan were to say, uh, hey, I'm looking for Matt Morris. And, and then I would like step up and I'm like, I am. That just doesn't make sense in English. <laughs> but to the Hebrew, they knew exactly what that meant. Uh, I am is the name that, that, that God gives Moses. When Moses says, Who, whom should I say sends me? And, and God from the burning bush says, say that I am sent you. Uh, it, it was the most reverent name. And what Jesus does here by saying, I am he. He is claiming yet again to be God, the creator of everything. Then something takes place that is just super, super cool. Because Jesus could have resisted if he wanted to. But it says this. And when he had said those things, they drew back and they fell on the ground. Many theologians and and scholars believe that that, that what happened here um, was that not that Jesus had some supersonic like voice like black bolt the king of the inhumans uh he he he, he says i am he or i am and and, and and many many uh theologians believe that what jesus did at this moment was he allowed them to see uh his true uh heavenly self uh that his face shone with the light like it did when he passes by moses 
uh, on Mount Sinai, uh, that his full glory was revealed. So he was saying, hey, I've got the power, but I'm going to let you take me. And, and that awe and that wonder and that divine power from heaven just knocks them all over. Then the skeptics and, and, the, and the atheists would say, well, maybe what probably happened was like one of them tripped and like, then he like fell back on the other one. Then the other one fell back and they fell back and they fell back and they fell back and, they fell back and whatnot. Um, well, one, physics really doesn't let that apply. But also these are the top. These are the Navy SEALs, the Green Berets, the Army Rangers of this group. Yeah, these dudes are guys who are ready to fight. Also, their shoes, the shoes they're wearing have spikes in them so that they can plant themselves in the ground when enemies are advancing so that they can't fall back. They could fall forward. So we're talking like it's even defying the, the, the power here of Jesus saying, I am, is defeating shoes that were made to stand up. Like it, it literally knocks them to the ground. Uh, it, it's Jesus just revealing his power. And then Jesus, I can just imagine them stumbling, like trying to like catch their eyesight back. And Jesus says, wait, who... Who were you looking for again? And and they say Jesus and He says, "Yeah, I told you, I am He." And um, some things then uh, go on to take place. Uh, he 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 says, "Therefore, you seek me, uh, but let these others go away." Um, these disciples who were with him would have been arrested uh, because that's that's the Roman way. Uh, they would have been considered accomplices to his rebellion. Uh, but Jesus says, no, 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 these guys have nothing to do with it. Uh, it's it's me, you want me, take me. These guys don't need to go. And Jesus fulfills a prophecy that he prayed in John 17, where, where, where he said, those God who you have given me, I have not lost any of them. Because they surely would have been crucified on a cross also if they had been taken captive. And they didn't have the power to raise themselves from the dead, like Jesus rose himself from the dead. Uh, and so Jesus says, no, no, I'm not going to lose these ones. And so that's really cool. Jesus is fulfilling a prophecy that he had just spoke forth. But then, then a guy jumps back into the scene, a guy who, who who's throughout the Gospels, a guy who likes to speak up when he probably shouldn't. Peter jumps out of nowhere, this fisherman with a sword. Um, and, and why Peter was carrying a sword? Uh, I don't know why he was carrying a sword. Uh, it could have been his filleting knife from, from, from fishing, you know. But he, like, jumps out and he swings this thing at Malchus. And either Peter has the greatest aim in the history of swordsmanship because he was aiming to take off an ear, or he needs to stick to his day job of fishing and preaching because the dude can't cut off a head if he tried because he just literally takes off this guy's ear. And then Jesus says, Peter, what are you doing, man? Put your sword away. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Uh, I need to drink the cup which the Father has given me. And then we're told uh, in Luke's gospel, and Luke's a doctor, so we can trust what Luke has to say about these things. Luke says Jesus scooped down uh, and healed his ear. Some theologians say he picked up the ear that had already fallen on the ground and puts it back on. Others say it was probably hanging by a flap of skin, and he folds it back up and makes it. Other theologians who want to get like super whimsical and stuff, they're like, Jesus bent down into the dirt, and he formed an ear out of the dirt, just like he formed the body of Adam when he created him, and then he makes a new ear. Like, who cares how it happened? He healed an ear, but, 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 but this is something that's cool about it. This is the last time Jesus ever heals anyone in Scripture. So it's just his last healing uh, effort, which is kind of cool. Um, but Could that be symbolic? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's something that, uh, that that's homework for you. Look into that. Look, look, look into that. Uh, but what, what, what Jesus does when he puts this ear back on, one, he shows love to, to the people who are coming to take him captive. I think that's something that we need to do in this world. We need to show love when people actually come against us. 
uh, I see, I mean, here's an example uh, on Facebook all over the place right now, uh, the, the whole red cup and Starbucks thing, and people getting all up in arms, like, st- st- people are saying Starbucks is trying to, like, be anti-Christian by not putting ornaments they on their coffee cups. Ever done that. But But here's the thing, rather than Christians getting up in arms about it and yeah. taking out their swords and swinging them at Starbucks, yeah. Jesus said, put your sword away. And love, and Jesus shows love, and, and, and so I think Christians need to show love. But also, what Jesus does, he, he does that whole like theological thing of showing love. But he also he saves Peter's butt here. Um, they probably would have killed Peter on the spot for swinging a sword at the high priest's servant. I mean, that's like a capital offense, you know. He's a Jew; he shouldn't even have a sword, you know. And, and so, what, what Jesus does is he says, "No, don't take any of these people." These guys are innocent. I'm going to heal them. Look, it's all good and okay. I'm God. I could destroy you all right now, but take me away. And, and, and so, but just because uh, the Romans were like, yeah, you know what? Jesus being this like leader of a rebellion, he probably has got a body double somewhere. And, you know, maybe he's going to hide like in a cave and he's going to send out his lookalike. So they'd send Judas who's with them uh, to go and, and, and to betray Jesus with a kiss. Uh, and so he does, but some crazy things take place. Um, and we'll get there in just a second. Um, it says then that they um, that they bound Jesus. Verse 12, then the detachment of troop and the captains and the officers um, of the Jews, uh, they arrest Jesus and they bind him. Um, but here's the cool thing. Uh, the handcuffs or the ropes they bind him with, those are not the things that are keeping Jesus bound here in this, in this instant. The thing that's keeping Jesus bound in this instant uh, is his love. Uh, for you, his love for I, his love for us, his love for humanity. Uh, that was what was keeping him bound. Uh, and, and it was the thing that was going to help lead him uh, to the cross. Uh, but Judas, Judas is this odd character. He's an anomaly. Uh, he, he's, he's chosen among the 12 closest friends of Jesus. Uh, and he put on a pretty good act. He follows them around for, for three years. Was he genuine at times? We don't know. Uh, but we are told at some point... Uh, he he gets greedy and he begins to steal from the treasury. But he must have been some good guy because the disciples voted him to be the person in charge of all the money. Oh, Judas is just such a good guy. Like, let's make him be in charge of all our traveling money and everything. And then, and then they show up. Hey, how, did, how come we didn't have enough money for the hotel tonight? Judas is like, oh, I was out feeding the homeless. Like, it was great. But he's padding his pockets and whatnot. Uh, just at one point when the woman comes and anoints Jesus' feet just like what are you, guys, like, what are you doing we can use that money to feed the poor the, uh, the disciples are like oh man Jesus is such a good guy like that's good and Jesus is like no 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 what she's doing is she's worshipping me and it's a form of worship uh, but Judas Judas didn't understand worship and didn't understand true worship of God uh, because the only person Judas worshipped was himself uh, and Judas was someone who was embarrassed when Jesus said that. He was someone who was misguided. He didn't want to get caught up in some sort of rebellion. He didn't know what was going on. Maybe he thought Jesus was going to lead a physical rebellion, uh, and he wanted to go to war against Rome. We don't know what it was about Judas that made him susceptible um, for, for the devil to take control of him. But, but, but what we know is this. He betrays Jesus, um, but Jesus does something with Judas. Uh, he never looks at Judas with contempt. He never looks at Judas uh, and is angry at him. Uh, we're told uh, in Mark's gospel that he says, uh, he, he calls him friend. And he says, friend, what have you done? And, 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 and Jesus still embraced him. Jesus knew full well what was going on. 
but he still called him friend and he still showed him love and he still showed him mercy. And, and I think that's something that we need to uh, realize too in our lives uh, as we follow the example of Christ. Uh, people are going to betray us. People are going to do just mean things to us. It's just human nature. Uh, but rather than get defensive or, or angry or, or, or come at them with the same brutality they came at us, uh, I think Jesus encourages us uh, to show mercy to those who betray us, to pray for those who persecute us, to, 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 to really uh, give love to the enemies that we have. But Judas does paint a good picture for us uh, that just being in church, even serving in church, uh, being close uh, to, to the things of God does not mean uh, that you're a Christian. Uh, if you park uh, a car in a garage, uh, the car is there, but if you go stand in the garage, it doesn't make you a car because you're in a garage where a car should be. Uh, you gotta, it, it, it's gotta be a real thing, uh, and, and you gotta give your heart to the Lord. It's more than just talking the talk, but it's it's the proverbial walking of the walk. Uh, the second thing that, that Jesus experienced uh, this night, uh, he, he experienced uh, betrayal uh, and, and, and treachery. The second thing is he be, uh, he experienced cruelty. Uh, some things take place in the next few verses uh, where Jesus experiences just this intense cruelty um, from from some people. Uh, verse 13 picks up and it says, And after that they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Uh, Annas is, is a person who, who just pops up in Scripture. It's like, well, they didn't take him to the high priest first, they took him to Annas. Because he was the he, he was he was the father in law of the high priest, uh, Annas. We actually know a lot about him from secular history. Uh, historians tell us all about Annas because Annas was a prominent figure in uh, uh, Palestine and Judea at this time. Uh, he he was the high priest when Jesus was like a little kid, uh, but when the Romans really wanted to like come down on Jerusalem, uh, he was kicked out of office. And then uh, because the the high priest is the highest. Uh, governing body in uh, Jerusalem and in amongst the Israelites because they don't have a king at this point. The high priest is their highest uh, order of office. So Rome said, hey, uh, we're getting rid of the old uh, and we're going to put in something new. So the person who has the most money, you can become the new high priest. Uh, well, Annas was the highest paid person in all of Jerusalem. Uh, he ran a very lucrative temple business where people would come in and sell things and money exchanging and all this thing. Uh, during um, during Passover, it's estimated that on average every year there were over 256,000 sheep slaughtered uh, during this one week. Uh, that's a lot of money to be made off of sheep being sold in there. Uh, actually, history tells us that those, those, those tables that Jesus went and flipped over uh, in the temple, th those are actually historical things and they're called Annas' Bazaar. And he like literally, it was like a street market that Annas had set up in the temple, and he took money off the top of all of his lenders. Uh, and, and so he was a rich guy, and he, since he couldn't be the high priest, he used the money that he had to make his uh, son-in-law uh, the high priest. Uh, but they but they take uh, Annas uh, or they take Jesus to Annas, uh, and, and they put him on this mock trial. Uh, and Caiaphas uh, says this in verse 14 uh, it, it said that he was the one who said it was expedient that one man uh, should die for the people uh, this is John recalling and, and, and reflecting something that Annas said or, or that the, the Caiaphas said in John chapter 11 verse 49 uh, and, and this is really cool uh, because God uses bad people for his purposes uh, Caiaphas is the high priest yeah, God has the upper hand. But, but, but Caiaphas, he's the high priest, and that is a God-ordained position. 
It didn't have a godly man in it, but God is still going to honor that position. And so in verse 49 of John chapter 11, uh, we're told that Caiaphas begins to prophesy because the Lord honors that uh, office. And he begins to prophesy about Jesus. And he says this, he said, Do you know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not just the whole, uh, so, so that the whole nation will not perish? Now this he uh, did not say on his own authority, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Uh, this, this high priest who, who's, who's not even knowing why he's saying, hey, let's kill Jesus now, uh, he, he prophesied that Jesus will die uh, for the entire nation, so the entire nation won't have to die. But then John says, he didn't even realize it, but he's prophesied that Jesus is going to die for all of humanity. Um, but it's really cool in this thing, but they take him uh, to, to Annas, and they take him uh, there um, in, in this really just weird mafia-style um, uh, court case that we're going to hear about in just a second. But this wasn't a court case where it was like, you're innocent until proven guilty. Like we are, uh, It's guilty even if you're proven innocent. Uh, it was just the, 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 the card was stacked against, or the deck was stacked, uh, stacked against him. Verse 15, we see uh, Simon Peter follows Jesus with another disciple. Scholars say, who is this other disciple? Was it Nicodemus, one of the, the, the priests? He could get in uh, to, to, to Annas' house. Was it Joseph of Arimathea, a high-standing uh, person of a lot of money? Oh, he was wealthy enough. He could get in. Uh, other theologians, uh, I would hold probably that this is this other disciple would be John himself. Uh, throughout uh, the book of John, John likes to conceal himself without saying his name. It's like the disciple whom Jesus loved. Yeah, that's me. Uh, so, 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 so here he's saying like this other disciple, and and it would make sense because John's uh, John and James's dad uh, was one of the most wealthy fishermen uh, in all of Jerusalem, uh, and it's said in in Josephus's work that. Uh, they were the ones who delivered fish to all the, the <coughs> really rich people. And, and it is said that John actually was the delivery man for Annas' house. John, before he followed Jesus for three years, was the fish delivery boy for Annas. So, and John is 14 at this point, scholars would tell us. John's only 14. He's a young disciple. Uh, he's like 14. So this, this means when he was an 11-year-old boy, he's like running bags of fish over to Annas' house. So all Annas' servants knew him. And so when he's following Jesus... <coughs> Scholars would say that they would have been like, oh, yeah, hey, it's John. Hey, John, how's it going? You got fish tonight? It's going to be a late night. And, and, and so they let John into the house. Uh, and then John's like, wait, where'd Peter go? You know, and like, because Peter's older than him, probably kind of taking care of him. And then when he realizes that Peter's not around, he goes to the servant at the door and says, hey, Peter can come on into the courtyard. He can't go into the house, but he can come into the courtyard. And so he comes in. But let's, uh, so if this were a story, we got like scene to scene, scene to scene and whatnot. Uh, and, and, and so we're going to do like the panning of the camera. The screen's going black. We're going to jump back to the courtroom just like Law and Order. It's like, dung, dung. And we're, we're now back to the other scene. That was my Law and Order thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so now we're back. We're back in the courtroom picking up in verse 19. And it says, the high priest asked Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Caiaphas is calling out Jesus on his theology and says, what are you, what, what are you talking about? And then Jesus says something, and Jesus is going to do something really cool here. But he says, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and, I, and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And I never said anything in secret. If Jesus was a leader of a rebellion, he'd probably want to hide. You guys have seen Terminator Salvation? Uh, mm -hmm. Like, 
their headquarters is in this like submarine at the bottom of the ocean so no one can find them and it's always moving around like when you're leading a rebellion or a resistance you don't want to have your like secret meetings in public you're just like i never had a secret meeting i did everything i said everything in front of 90 percent of you all y'all were always around when i was saying why are you asking me now you guys should be the ones who are talking now here's the thing what jesus is doing here is he's slapping them in the face verbally he's saying do your job because Jesus knows the law, and the law says a lot of things about how a court case should go. And it said that you're not to ask the one who's on trial until you've heard from at least two witnesses, eyewitnesses. Jesus said, well, what are you doing asking me? Ask all these people and let them say what's going on. Uh, but but they're trying to, to do... Um, some pretty uh, shady business here. When Jesus says this, he gets smacked in the face, uh, which is another thing that's Ill- illegal according to the law. Um, we're told in the book of Matthew uh, that not only is he slapped in the face, but then they begin to spit on him. They begin to punch him in the face, and then they're like, "Oh, hey, this is this is kind of fun beating up Jesus. Let's throw a, let's throw a blindfold on him, and then we'll all take turns punching him, and we'll ask him if he is the Son of God to prophesy and tell us which one punched him." So, so they are literally mocking that he's Messiah and all these things. Uh, and this is very much a mafia-style uh, trial. It's like uh, that, yeah. that, that scene in The Untouchables where uh, uh, he, 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 he's sitting there and uh, Al Capone's sitting and he doesn't like what's going on, so he takes a baseball bat to the guy. Like, that's what's going on here. It, it's, they're, they're not following any law. They're not following any order. This is mafia-style. Um, and, and they say, uh, Jesus, tell us what's going on. Jesus asks, hey, where's your witnesses? So the cool thing that happened to Jesus is the high priest and everyone um, did that. Were they known to do this type of thing? This is 100%. They're 100% breaking the law. Oh, yeah. Like 100%. First, the law says a trial cannot happen at night. Yeah. Anytime the sun goes down, they can't get together. Not even to discuss like what they're going to wear mm-hmm. on Fancy Friday. Like like they can't even get to, to, to decide that. Like it's... You can't discuss anything after night. There's no assembly after night. Another thing, you're not allowed to have any. Uh, you're not allowed to have any trials during a feast week, in the middle of Passover. Uh, you're not able to uh, get a verdict uh, on the same night of, as the arrest. And they're trying to get a verdict that night. Uh, it's supposed to be done in the temple in daylight by the high priest. They didn't go to the high priest. They went to the Godfather, literally. The father-in-law of the high priest, the dude who has been slowly puppet mastering things from the shadows. Like, I'm going to make my son-in-law the leader. He's going to do what I say. Caiaphas was just a puppet of Annas, who's this guy who is bending every, not even bending, he's breaking every single law about the way trials should go that God gave. And, and he's, he's breaking all of them just because he hates Jesus and, 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 and he doesn't want to see Jesus, like, he... he if Jesus wins this, like it, it's bad news for Judaism. The reason why God put this law in, in, in place in the Old Testament that you can't get a verdict in the same night is because God is a God of mercy. Uh, if they find someone guilty, if they find someone guilty, because you can't do trials at night, like the sun goes down, you have time to think about it, then you sleep on it, and then you wake up and you process it again. And then you go and you make your ruling the next day. It wasn't like, oh man, that person's guilty. Let's kill him right now. No, you had to think about it. Because 
most like like I mean, just think about yourself. When you get really mad at someone because someone did something to you, you're just like super like frustrated about it, like ah like I I want to get like ah it's frustrating. And then you like sleep about it and and you think about it and you're like it's actually not that bad. Like I'm I'm over it, you know. And God put that there because God's a God of mercy. And these guys are bypassing and usurping all of that. Uh, one theologian, he used just this. I, I only took an excerpt of what he said because it was it was just a super whimsical and fancy uh, depiction of what took place here. But, but, but the end of it, he says, this was the most colossal miscarriage of justice in the entire story of humanity. The most colossal miscarriage of of justice in all story of humanity. Uh, Jesus got the raw end of the deal. But here's the thing. Jesus, he knew the law, and he knew what was, was supposed to be going on, but he doesn't say anything. He just he just stands there, and he lets it happen. He lets it happen. We're told in, in, in the other Gospels that when they asked Jesus questions, he just stood there. And he didn't answer. He didn't answer. And, they, and they're blasphemy. They're ripping their clothes, and they're like, kill him, crucify him now. Like, let's just... They, they legally could not kill him. The Romans had taken that authority from them. That's why they had to send him in. And, and we'll talk about next week when he goes to Pilate's court and then he goes uh, uh, to, to Herod and all these other things. Uh, but he, he faced much cruelty uh, and really usurping of justice. Uh, the third thing uh, that Jesus faced uh, on this night, uh, Jesus not only faced treachery and betrayal, uh, not only did he face cruelty, but thirdly, he faced uh, disloyalty uh, from those who were closest to him. Um, Peter, uh, who is a hero of the Christian faith, uh, is also one of the Christians in the early church and uh, in the Bible uh, who really was a knucklehead uh, and a fool at times. And it gives it gives me a lot of hope because uh, I'm like, man, if Peter can make it, okay, I'm gonna be okay. Uh, because because Peter did some really dumb things. He just talked when he probably should have been quiet. Uh, he ran when he probably should have stood still. He just did things without thinking. Uh, earlier this night, he gets into this argument with Jesus. Jesus is like, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter's like, oh, no, it wouldn't be me. Like, I'm, I'm going to stand with you to the end, you know? And Jesus is like, it's actually you, and you're going to betray me by the end of the night. You can be chained me three times, actually. And Peter's like, oh, no, Lord, not me, never. <laughs> Jesus had just said, I'm the only one who's doing anything wrong. Don't take any of these guys. Peter's like, screw that, takes out a sword and cuts off a guy's <laughs> ear. And Jesus is like, get behind me. You are a dork. What are you doing? Yeah. And Peter likes to do all these things uh, without thinking. Uh, and Je- Jesus told <laughs> Peter, you're going you're gonna to deny me. You say you're going to stand with stand with me, but but you're going to deny me. Uh, and, and he faces some major disloyalty. We see uh, once that uh, in in verse eighteen or in verse seventeen, uh, Peter says, "No, I'm not a follower of Jesus." Uh, and then in verses twenty five through twenty seven, we see Peter deny Jesus two more times, and then the rooster crows. Uh, elsewhere in the Gospels, we're told that Jesus said, "Before the cock crows three times, uh, you will uh, betray me three times." And uh, and it happened, and, and Peter said it would never happen, but but it does happen. Uh, and we're told elsewhere in the Gospels that uh, he catches eyes with Jesus the last time he does it. Um, and Jesus, like, we don't know because the Gospels don't tell us what Jesus' face was. Um, but I think if I were to ask the question, what do you think Jesus' face would have been when, when, when he saw Peter betray him? I think our answer really... Um, really paints a picture of what we view God and God's relationship with us like.
because maybe you think Jesus was someone who was like super mad and like let down and disappointed, you know. Um, maybe that's how you feel about God the Father, and you don't feel like he's, he cares for you and he's got your back. Maybe you think Jesus would be uh, looking at him all sarcastically, like, ha told you so, like, I'm in handcuffs, but look at you, you didn't have like, like, our view of God should, should be a view of the way God truly is, and God's a merciful God. And I have this feeling uh, that, that when Peter caught eyes with Jesus, that it was, it was eyes of not disappointment, it wasn't eyes of frustration, it wasn't eyes of sarcasm, but it was eyes of mercy. Just like, just like Jesus said to Judas, friend, friend, uh, and embraced him with love. Uh, I, think, I think Jesus looked at Peter with mercy, with love, with forgiveness. Uh, and that's why Peter's crushed, you know. Uh, one of the other Gospels says that, that he then flees. Because uh, he's crushed. Because he knew I let him down, yet he still loves me. What on earth am I doing? And, uh, and we don't see Peter back in the whole deal until later after everything's all gone down with Jesus and died and everything. Because he's humiliated um, by, by his own failure. But, but what does Jesus do when Jesus rides again? He, he, he draws Peter back. And he says, hey, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Then go feed my sheep. He does it three times. He restores them. Because we serve a God uh, not of judgment. We serve a God not of, of sarcasm. We don't serve a God uh, of disappointment. We serve a God of mercy, of grace, of love. And a God of restoration. God wants to restore everything. What the devil has made and has tried to bring us down, what we've done in and of ourselves to try and bring us down, God wants to restore all of that. Peter goes on to become one of the greatest leaders in the history of the church. Uh, does amazing things, plants many, many churches, is a great pastor, ends up giving his heart, uh, I mean, giving his life for the Lord. He gets crucified upside down on a cross, and it's said of him that, that he was crucified upside down because these were his words, I'm not worthy to die the same way as my Lord. Like, like, like Peter did some amazing things for the Lord. After this, he got to his lowest moment. He betrayed God and, and it, with his words in front of everyone, but God restored. God restored. We're told that we don't know the eternal destination of Judas. We know that he goes and he kills himself out of remorse. Um, we don't get to hear, was there a restoration with Judas? We don't know. But we know Jesus' last reaction with Judas was a reaction of mercy. But we get to see the story of restoration with Peter. Because Peter said, you know what? I want to live for God. And, and, and it's cool. And, and so um, just know this, that in your life, regardless of where you are in your life, God's a God of restoration, and He's a God of mercy, and a God of love, and He wants uh, your best. He has your best interest in mind. Uh, and that's, when I say that, it's not what your idea of your best interest is. Uh, God has your best interest in mind, and sometimes that goes against what you want to do, but God has your best in mind. And so the question that I would ask tonight, uh, as a small group, I know all of you well, um, in the little things, maybe in the big things, uh, if we were to take a collective look at ourselves, if I were to say, I, I, I did this as I was sitting in the very back tonight, uh, I sat back and, and I looked at my life, and, I, and, and, and when I say my life, my, my more recent past, and I said, okay, were there times, uh, God, publicly or in secret, that uh, I betrayed you, uh, that I was treacherous, that I was treasonous, uh, that I led things into my life to separate me from you? Uh, were there times, God, in my life where I was cruel 
that I didn't follow your laws. I didn't follow your commandments. I looked to usurp them, and I looked to put me on the, on the throne rather than you. Were there times by my actions I was disloyal, where I denied you um, by action or by, or, or by word? Um, and if so, uh, God, I need forgiveness, and I want to follow you with everything. But also, when you look at those things, uh, don't be discouraged to the point where you beat yourself up. Look at me like, yeah, I messed up, but God's not condemning me. God's not pointing at me and be like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? God's not looking at us and be like, yeah, I told you, you're just a stupid sheep and you need a shepherd. God's not saying those things. God's looking at you with a face of love, a face of mercy, a face of restoration, and he, and he wants to restore uh, everything that's broken uh, in our lives. And, and, and Isaiah tells us that God gives us beauty for our ashes. The things that we've destroyed, the things that we've allowed the enemy to destroy in our lives, God takes those ashes, and from those ashes, he brings beauty, uh, and he brings uh, his mercy, and then he gives us that mercy so that we can extend that mercy to the people around us. So that we won't be like those Christians who draw their swords and start bashing Starbucks and, 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 and are a terrible representation of, of Christ. God gave us mercy so that we can go into those places, not so that we can boycott them and say, we want you to practice our Christian values. No, he, he, he gives them mercy. He goes into those places and he loves them. And it's by the love one for another. The Bible doesn't say they'll know you're a Christian by your words and by your symbolism. The Bible says they'll know you're a Christian by your love one for another. And that's not just your love Christian for Christian. It's easy to love Christian Christian. It's not always easy to love Christian non-Christian. But he says the world will know you're my follower by your love one for another. So I want to encourage you guys tonight. Uh, let's be a people of mercy uh, because God is merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's be people who are merciful. Let's be people who are full of grace. And let's be people who, like God, who, who, who devised the greatest rescue mission and restoration plan in the history uh, of humanity. Let's, let's be people who are about restoration. Let's be people who are about reclaiming the things that are lost, reclaiming the things that are fallen, uh, and, and, and bringing new life and regeneration uh, to the world around us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, well, I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to stop the recording so we can pray. Um, but we're in a small group, in a, in a 